Yep, yep. Um, oh, yeah, got uh, yeah, headset on. Yes. Whack your headset on there. I'll catch my breath. Oh, Jesus. I'll just run a marathon. <laughs> um, now, no, this has got to be one of the best starts to a podcast I've ever had. <laughs> well, it helps when we meet at the pub first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, we need to meet at the pub before we start the pagey train, you know. Um, I'm not getting on board unless I have a couple of martinis under my belt. <laughs> Man, I've been enjoying... Have you, I, I, I wasn't a martini fan, but I've become one. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a gin and martini person, not a vodka martini person. No, no. Um, I, I, do my, I do like gin. Uh, I used to drink gin because it was for free at work overnight, mm. and I'd drink it with Mellow Yellow. Mm. Sort of like, <laughs> I, I remember Mellow Yellow. Um, so From the Coca-Cola company, not a sponsor yet. Uh, check us out. <laughs> But no, I'll, um, I'll, I stick to bourbon nowadays. Beer makes me burp too much. Yeah. Oh, well, you'll see me secretly burp on the show. <laughs> secretly. <laughs> oh, Is that, that's not me. That's me. All right, well, we may as well do this on air. Hello, my love. We're on air right now. Hello? We're on, we're on, we're on the air. <laughs> All right. All right, are you on your way home? All right, I'll see you in a bit. Get rid, get rid of the. All right, goodbye, words. my darling. <laughs> well, you know, it's always the director. Like I, <laughs> I say to people when I'm on set, I go, "All right, everyone, turn your phones off. Anyone's phone rings during this take, it's a case of beer at the rap party." <laughs> and I think it's it's a minimal two cases for me every time. It's only my phone that bloody rings. Um, but I've got to keep, I've got to, I've got a um, I've got to drop uh, I've got someone picking up some content later so I've got to actually keep an eye on it I'll leave it there that's a code word content content <laughs> see a man about a dog <laughs> no it's actually it's actually for real <laughs> oh, good no code words but that is a good one I've got to go I've got to, I've got to go drop off some videotapes yeah <laughs> well, I think um, I think we're ready to go man what do you reckon do you reckon we're ready to go Mr Wade yeah, you look ready. <laughs> All right, and let's kick it off. And welcome to the Pagey Train. Today I have in the studio with me uh, Garfield Bernard, um, a.k.a. creator of the um, Schlocky Horror Picture Show, Nigel Honeybone. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hello, good evening, and welcome, Roscoe. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> styling. Um, I, as I was saying before, I don't know if we'll make the cut. I may cut it out, but I just need to say it again. Uh, I think this is one of the best starts to a podcast I've ever had. Meeting up at the pub and having a few drinks beforehand. That, that's always helpful. I, and I did have a, a chicken wing or two just to make sure my, my drinking doesn't go to excess. Yeah, well, but you, you, you were saying you're a man of bourbon because it makes you burp a lot. Oh, sorry, because beer makes you burp a lot. Um, but I do the sneaky burps on, on air. I'll do the... You'll, you'll see me do the little... Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I think you got a bit fanboyed uh, when I took you to the pub. Um, There's a few few of the bin chickens. Big shout out to you guys. Um, yeah, some of those guys are your biggest fans. Oh, no, it was great to meet them. It's always nice to meet somebody who who knows what community TV is, let alone Schlocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, well, well, if you look, if you know what community TV is, you know what the Schlocky Horror Picture Show is. I can tell you that for certain. Well, it's been screened on every community TV station in Australia, at least. Yeah, you've, uh, you've the been ones that are left as well. Yeah, are oh, the, uh, the the ones that have survived the the, the purge. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I mourn TVS every day. I must say, um, it was such a valuable asset for our community. 
Um, but let's not get too bogged down in the in the sadness. We, we, maybe let's get a few beers downrange and a few bourbons downrange, and we can, you know, uh, mourn mourn community TV towards the end. Right, you. Uh, but just for our, um, for our other listeners, um, what is schlocky horror? What what is that? Well, I, I well. Um, when I started providing short film shows for TVS Sydney, mm. um, they had a regular Friday night slot where they'd show their public domain films. And mm. so the manager, Henry de Gorta, Big uh, shout out, Henry. G'day, Henry. <laughs> um, uh, he actually called it the Schlocky Horror Picture Show. Mm. Um, so I was there. I was there for a year providing them with short films. And then he turned around to me and said, I'd like you to do a horror hosting. And like the old Deadly Earnest was his mm. words. So Deadly Earnest was around in the late 60s, early 70s. In a, uh, uh, he was played by a different actor in each state back mm. then. Okay. Anyway, so he wanted somebody to uh, host the show. And I'm familiar with a lot of American horror hosts. Mm. Um, I had no interest in doing something like that. Um, so we went the way of Bill Collins... If you remember, yeah, I do. Golden I, years of the, TV. The golden years of TV. I, I grew up with Bill Collins. <laughs> um, I don't think a lot of uh, some of our listeners may not know who Bill Collins is. Totally go and Google it. Um, yeah, he was a TV host that used to um, introduce films. That's exactly it, and that's pretty much what Nigel does. He introduces the films at the beginning, um, has like uh, five minutes to eight minutes worth of talk in the middle during intermission, mm -hmm. and then a, a closing segment. But he, uh, Nigel doesn't interrupt the films like some horror hosts do, like... Um, um, uh, um, Mystery Science Theatre 3000. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, we, we show some respect for the films that we're screening. Man, you fired, you, in this last 30 seconds, you fired off some neurons in my brain that haven't been fired in a long time, uh, from Bill Collins to, to that. Hey, actually, uh, Wade, can you pull up some um, of Nigel? Uh, play that in the background for a little bit. Um, probably mute it, just uh, pull up, um, uh, because um, for our other um, uh, listeners out there, um, uh, I've actually, see this graphic here? Yes. I've actually got the shirt. I've still got the, oh, I've still still, got the shirt. Got the shirt. Oh. I've still got it. I had so, I only had a few made up, and to tell the truth, they weren't very good quality, and they developed holes really quickly. I still had a, have a couple of the shirts, and they're like, got big moth holes in them oh look i i still wear that shirt um i've even worn it on the show i've worn that on the show um i wear it out and sometimes people recognize it oh why they go shocky horror yeah yeah you'd be I, I, you'd be amazed at how many people know about this show um uh, but um yeah just to, for our viewers that may be not aware um the, these are the hostings that's what the, can you just forward a little bit into it there yeah a little bit more oh actually this is a pretty good part oh, yeah leave this part on um, because I like this part because I remember when I was trying to get work at TVS, I was trying to figure out where the premises was. <laughs> and this promo throws you off where the premises is because you think it's right in the middle of Sydney, but it's not. It's just a little uh, marquee in uh, Callan Park. Yeah, in near Balmain. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I used to actually work across the way from there at a, at a warehouse oh, right. in Roselle. Yeah, there, yeah so, I used to think, I was looking for that. We photoshopped those <laughs> signs in. Um, now, But yeah, here's, here, here's the character, um, uh, Nigel Honeybone. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, um, uh, so my co-producer, Tim Newsom uh, and I had no interest in appearing on TV ourselves. Mm. Mm. Um, we're very shy that way. So the only other way out of it I could think of is we'll have to do a puppet. Are we going to do Muppet Show puppet? Tim volunteered to do this, uh, a string puppet. Mm -hmm. based on the old Captain Scarlet and Thunderbirds marionettes. Yeah, okay. So um, 
Tim is controlling the mouth, the jaw. Mm-hmm. I'm controlling the strings on the head and the arms. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a just a two camera setup. Yeah, with a little desk. What's the scale of it? I've always interested. How big is Nigel? Well, Nigel is a half-size skeleton puppet that we bought from Melbourne University Bookshop. Oh, wow. And of all places, the Melbourne University Bookshop sells half-scale skeletons. And um, the, 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 the product name was Mr. Skimpy or something like that. Mr. Cheap. Mm. I can't remember. But, Mr. Uh, Cheap, Mr. Skimpy, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the product name of this half-size skeleton. But when mm. we received it in the mail, the uh, receipt was signed by somebody called Nigel Honeybone. Perfect. We'll take that. Oh, really? That's, yeah. And that's where the name for the character <laughs> yeah, came from? That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, because the only reference I've ever heard of Nigel Honeybone was in... Um, 12 Monkeys. Yes. I, I was talking to you this off air with you before. Um, that you, the, There's a moment where Brad Pitt um, is introducing Bruce Willis as, um, you know, Nigel <laughs> Honeybone. Um, but I think that was Honeybone, not Honeybone. Um, but, yeah, no, I think, how, how amazing how that's, that come together. Um, it's just the impact that it had. I remember when, we, when I started at TVS... The viewership um, per month was around a hundred to four hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. When we started pushing the Schlocky Horror Picture Show on Friday nights, we got it up to a million. Yes, and, and I know I, I know in hearts of hearts that a lot of that was to do with Nigel Huntingbone. It was about that culture. We're very very lucky. Uh, Channel Thirty One, uh, Melbourne, Adelaide, and Aurora, which is on Foxtel, they love the show and have been constantly repeating it for the last. Seven years. Well, well you're pretty much on TV every week and have been so since uh, how since long? Since March 2007 was our first episode. And yes, we've been on every weekend somewhere in Australia. Yeah, and since <laughs> and and when you shoot, when you film this, so you film this in your. Um, do you have a studio or you do this out of your house or? Very much like you, um, Tim has his own studio set up um, in the loft of his house in mm-hmm. Balmain. Um, uh, in his parents' house. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, th- that's where we would normally work from. Uh, I met Tim. He was a, an award-winning sound engineer, mm-hmm. musician, composer. Big shout-out, Tim. Yep, Tim Newsom in Balmain. Um, and I actually approached him about my first short film mm. and said, well, I'd like a piece of music a bit like this thing from Alan Parsons. And so we were both friends. We knew our musical tastes. Mm-hmm. He knew exactly what I wanted. And he said, oh, oh, um, oh, I've just found this new editing, film editing program. Maybe we can try that out as well. Final Cut 7? Uh, well, back then, it would, be, it would have been Final Cut. Yeah, wow. We, um, I was so cutting edge <laughs> at the time, but now it's like, oh, Final Cut 7. I've got to get on Final 10, mate. Uh, and now he's a, a paid editor as well and does special effects. So mm. um, I, I was glad I could bring him into the film industry. But uh, no, he's still recording and doing um, other things. He's always busy. Um, uh, so we... We started doing the Schlocky Horror Picture Show not because we had any aims. Mm-hmm. It was just somebody asked, oh, can you do that? Can you do this? Oh, I've got some spare time. And that's that's all we do. It's a hobby. Yeah, okay. Well, for something that's a hobby, it's <laughs> it's bloody successful. Um, it really is. Um, I, I, how many episodes did you end up shooting of, of Schlocky Horror? All right, so we did a total of 120 episodes. 
Mm -hmm. And um, a few years ago, uh, we uh, actually assembled complete episodes like um, Nigel's bits with the film and to give them to Aurora Foxtel. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, um, some of the films were just n the quality, like the, the they were too low res or the sound yeah. was too bad. So some episodes fell by the wayside. So out of 120 episodes total, 75 episodes are in circulation mm -hmm. and the stations just keep repeating them. People just don't realise they're watching repeats. Oh, dude, they're going to be repeated for a long time. <laughs> I, like, I hope you understand the impact that you've had. Like, you, you've, um, you've inspired us. Um, it's still searching productions that made in the West, um, with that community engagement, that that um, that appreciation for um, nuanced um, genre films, um, it's just something that like um, if if there's a torch to be passed, I just like you to know that you've certainly passed that oh, on to us. And when, thank you. And, and no, I mean it from my heart, mate. Like it, it is it is so important. Well, when we started doing working with TVS, we were making the short film shows um, anthology of interest, mm. and. That was for the free-to-wear stations and Dark Carnival, mm. which was, was Foxtel widescreen. And um, we made 169 episodes of each, mm -hmm. each episode having two or three short films, no repeated material, no best-of episodes or anything like that. And so it was so good to get in contact with all these filmmakers. Um, yeah, because it wasn't just old films. It's, no. it's newer films that are paying homage to older genres, right? That's it. So I started making short films in 2002 um, uh, and TVS came along in 2006. We started making the short film shows. And I knew how short, short film festivals treat their people and they're not very good. Mm. <laughs> so, oh, except for our uh, festival, of course. Oh, of course. No, no. <laughs> um, they're always glad to receive um, your fee and your film, but getting feedback out of them is like pulling teeth. Mm. Um, and so I would respond to every entry and, you know, I'd give them a quick review. Okay. I could show them how to make things better or what the problem might be. But um, I was always encouraging these new filmmakers who have gone on to bigger and better things like Ryan Couch, yeah, who big you spoke to Ryan. a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, um, he's certainly uh, carried on the flame as well. Um, uh, but I, I was on the show with him, and um, we totally figured out that we had done exactly the same job in different decades. Because he was in the first sort of honour guard, if you like, of TVS, and I was in the second. Yes. Um, I was a later generation. And uh, we figured out we did exactly the same thing. We did the same tasks. We even used the same software, had the same office. Um, it was quite insane, really. <laughs> um, now, a big shout out to Ryan. Like his film Gollum was absolutely amazing. Now, I haven't seen that yet. I spoke to him about it. I will get a, uh, a viewing eventually. But um, uh, I, I love his other stuff as well. He mentioned It Grows, which was a short film about a, mm -hmm. a plant from outer space that goes crazy and takes over the world. Mm. Um, and he was editing commercials and promos at TVS when I met him. That's right. And um, so I, I was, I, he was a good friend um, and I was inspired to ask him to direct See You Next Wednesday, which was our Wednesday night movie show mm -hmm. hosted by Nick Stathopoulos. Um, we only made 13 episodes of that, mm -hmm. but um, we're very proud of that as well. Yeah, no, it's good to get content out there. Um, that's, what, that's the beauty of having um, a community access TV station is that it, it, it garners talent 
and it allows people to be themselves and to figure you know because it's about trial and error right you, you, oh yes you're not going to get everything right on your first um, run off the bat you, you, you got to give it a few goes before you start to get traction and understand the process and i'll just have this fear that now these um stations are gone by the wayside it's left up it's left up to us uh youtubers to, to that's to, right to, to figure it out a new training ground for uh, short filmmakers mm. and in a, a lot of ways that is good i mean like if what you've made is good and it's on youtube the world is going to a beat a path to your door mm. if it's any good so it is a good testing ground yeah and i think um but I, as well though you, got, you have like i know it's a hard one to describe describe in my mind because i think about it as well terrestrial broadcast is only going to be good for sport and news in the future mm -hmm. there's linear presentation of content um, people just aren't doing that anymore uh, if you want to watch a movie on a friday night on a free-to-air tv station it's going to take you four hours <laughs> yes. because of all the commercial content. And no one in, you know, most people aren't doing that anymore. Like even um, some of the most recalcitrant people I know, the most recalcitrant baby boomers I know are now on Netflix. And they are watching video on demand. Yes. Uh, I mean, a lot of my friends just don't bother with commercial TV any longer. Mm. They might watch a little SBS. I, I watch uh, the ABC News but really, uh, uh, oh, I'm, so, I'm terrible I'll, at it. I'm terrible at ABC News. I watch it all the time. I, I, I really do. I do have to make an admission, though. I, I do occasionally watch the old Star Trek on Channel 12. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, there are uh, episodes I've seen a million times before, but I can't resist. But well, they've remastered it. Do you know that they've remastered the it? The old Star Trek, definitely. It yeah, looks yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it looks though. immaculate. Um, because they've, they've shot that on um, uh, 35mm. Yep. Uh, so it's easy to... Or not easy to remaster, but um, more applicable to remaster. Absolutely. And they've made it widescreen, um, uh, freshed up the special effects. They look immaculate. Yeah, it's because uh, I, I was um, I was working at Media Hub uh, for a couple of years there, and I was um, uh, doing the. It's kind of let me try and get this into a really short space. Um, basically, directing content traffic, yes. um, and uh, part of that was this show because they had to do um, you know you do ingest operation and then you do broadcast presentation. Uh, we basically you just got your mouse and you're making sure that the content is going on the television. Yes. So eyes on it essentially, just eyes on the TV. And uh, Star Trek started popping up because I'd watched Star Trek Next Generation and then the old Star Trek with Captain Kirk, you know, William Shatner there, like you can practically taste the phaser. Um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was so contextually and, beautiful. And so crisp and clear. Yeah. Like they show, sometimes they show old um, Mission Impossible episodes and they look beautiful. Mm. Um, but yeah, the Star Trek one, it came out... There was an episode of Deep Space Nine where they are sent back in time mm. to the trouble with Tribbles. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, the mix of these two photographic styles just worked perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, I think I've seen that as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was a um, 50th anniversary or something of Star Trek. They did um, Deep Space Nine did the trouble with Tribbles and Voyager did did Star Trek 6 because the actor who plays Tuvok is in Star Trek 6 as a in a bit part. Oh yeah, so they can do a nice little link yeah, over They can and... explain why he doesn't have ears in the movie. Yeah. Appointed <laughs> <laughs> ears. Wow, I think I think we're totally nerding out on this. This is fantastic. Um, but, but just to, to sidetrack again, there was other there was other bits of content that used to make other than just the TV presentation for Schlocky Horror. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I was at a drive-in cinema. It was the uh, the Blacktown Drive-In Cinema, Skyline, I believe it was called at the time. That's right. It still is. It still is called Skyline. 
Um, I should know that. Well, I've got a content deal coming up with him soon. Um, <laughs> oh, it's, uh, a, it's a great place. Um, a beautiful venue, but um, uh, we we had a, a few hassles with the management after our screening. Oh, so really? We screened. Um, uh, a Do tell. Of, I'm, I'm interested in this. No, no, no. It's quite okay. Um, wanted to screen two new films from the filmmaker, American filmmaker Christopher Meme, mm-hmm. who um, makes uh, retro, f- feature-length, retro-style films. So yes. they're, they're made today, but they're made to look like black-and-white 60s mm-hmm. with overacting and um, uh, awkward special effects. Um, anyway, so we wanted to screen a couple of his films. <coughs> Uh, we went to the Skyline Drive-In at Blacktown, they, and we wanted to do it for charity, so we wanted to give the money to um, the Children's Hospital. Okay. Um, so everything went perfect. Um, the management were really, really helpful. Everybody was great about it. We showed the films. Um, big success. Um, they didn't hand over the money. But they didn't. Yeah, it took them a while to... They did get it back. But only after a couple of months, um, I, I had to approach the children's hospital people and explain the situation, and they sort of chased it up from there. So oh, that's a bit gnarly. Okay. That's a bit gnarly. But you no, know, otherwise they were perfect to work with, and, and it said a wonderful venue, especially when you're showing something retro. Yeah, well, I, I'm only having a guess at this, but I imagine that there would have been like creatives like yourself involved, uh, philanthropists. They would have been like, right, let's do this good thing for people. Yep. And then it would have come across someone's desk who was a producer of mind an accountant bean counter person that um, lacks a little bit of compassion. Mm-hmm. And I, I dare say I put across someone's desk like that. I've run into that a few times in my life. But that's where that, that phrase comes into. It moves from push to shove. And by contacting the, the children's hospital... The right you, people. Yeah, yes. you've moved it from a push to a shove. Like, hey, come on. You, you, we, had a con- <laughs> we had a contract. You, you should, you should honour that contract. That's right. We have contracts and email records and all that, so... Yeah, do the right thing. It was uh, to be to be honest. It was only a couple of hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, oh, it wasn't but, much. But yeah, it, but it, it was a, point. it's a little drive-in, um, and there were two screens. So we were on one screen. On the other screen was how to drain how to train your dragon two. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. we we had more customers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I remember, like, um, not to get uh, um, uh, too deep into it, like, I was there. I was there with um, uh, a friend of mine who's a guitarist in my band, Jimmy. Yeah. And uh, we were working at TBS at the time, and because they don't serve alcohol at um, uh, the drive-in. No, they don't serve alcohol there. So we got out of our car in a puff of smoke, and uh, <laughs> and I remember getting out of my car, and um, you, because you had Nigel Huntingbone doing the hostings uh, for the Giant Spider. Yeah, that's the, the, the that gi- was the first one, the Giant Spider. The Giant Spider. Really good film, you guys should totally check it out. Um, uh, and you, you knew the directors were in the crowd, <laughs> and you, you you got Nigel Huntingbone with his uh, flapping mouth going, yeah, yeah, just give us a toot. And he's like, beep, 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 beep. I was like, oh man, this is so awesome. Um, the, the crowd was so responsive and so into it. Um, I was just so proud to be a part of that project. That was so good. Um, yeah, so that was definitely a highlight in Nigel's career. Mm. Oh. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. We, we, we look back. We look back. We look back and go... Mm. They were good days. They were. They really were. Well, he's done other presentations as well. For TVS, they would do the Royal Easter show every year. Mm-hmm. And there was one year where we were we had to make promos for the Schlocky Horror Picture Show to be seen at 
the Easter show, which was nice. It was like a little trailer. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It gets out there, man. I, I, look, I even got to do um, voiceovers for um, the Shocking Horror Picture that's Show. That's right. I, I've got a few of those on YouTube, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I, get, I got to do my um, Aussie Ocker. My full, um, uh, coming up next on Television Sydney, the Schlocky Horror Picture Show. Um, but I do the, I really draw it out, you know. Um, make sure that you check out TVS. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun making those promos. Big shout out to Jolene uh, while we're at it. Um, she was our promo producer at the time um but man we got we got so much um uh good fan mail over it we even got mail we even got fan mail over the schlocky or a picture show like how far does someone have to go to actually write you a letter you know absolutely um there we do have a few fans out there who don't use the computer and actually hand write letters mm. um to nigel and so i try uh, i reply to most of them uh yeah and we get a few christmas cards and the like I, I saw I was on I was online research, doing a bit of research today, uh, and I found that someone even someone's ripped you off. They've ripped you off. They've got a digital version of Nigel Honeymoon. Now I'm a little shocked about that. I, I haven't seen it. I'll but... show you, I'll show you offline later. Like I was like because I was watching. I'm like, that's not his product. I'm like someone's <laughs> just duplicated it. I don't think they did it as a um, like as faking being you. I think they were paying homage to it. But yeah. I was like, that's interesting. It was computer generated. Oh, okay then. So it would, that definitely wasn't us. We've never done anything. Yeah, no, it was full CGI. Oh, it was a wow. CG, someone CGI'd the Shocking Horror Picture Show. I'm like, that's well, it's it's a kind of a backhanded comment, uh, compliment, <laughs> isn't it? Like that's really awesome, but we're stealing your content. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we never expected to make money out of it, and we haven't. Mm. Um, there's no money in short films or community TV, but um, uh, it, we. We were so happy with what we were able to do in our spare time because mm. we'd only be working on it t- 12 hours a week. Mm. We'd, we'd do it all on a Saturday night. Yeah, that's still and it a would lot of take time, us though. two weeks to make an episode. Yeah, that's still a lot of time. Like um, um, doing all the projects that I do, like for instance, the Pagey Train. Yeah. Uh, doing this podcast will, um, like previous to having a vision switcher, it would take me 90 hours a year to do 30 episodes. <laughs> Um, now I've got it down to 45 hours a year to do the same amount of content. Um, Made in the West, I think, takes up about 200 hours a year. It's time intensive. Um, but at least I get to pay people. I get to pay people um, and I get... It's, we don't get to pay them a lot, but we, we at least get to um, uh, reimburse them for their time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, except for our volunteers, uh, by the way, um, our volunteer army out there. That, thank you so much for all the work that you do for us. It's amazing. And all the people that have worked with our TV shows as well, not only all the short film makers that have worked on our short film shows, but, um, yeah, as I said, uh, co-producer... Tim Newsom on um, uh, the Schlocky Horror Picture Show. Um, uh, the original writer, Ian Trifford, he actually voiced the first few episodes as His well. last name's Trifford. Trifford. T R I double F I. The irony. The irony. Look, just just an inside joke there for the. There's a film out there called Day of the Triffids. Yeah, that's that Nigel has done a hosting for. That's right. Or if you remember an old Australian band from the '90s, the Triffids. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, wow. Man, another neuron just exploded. Um, and Ryan Corshi is Couchy has also helped us out. Um, we just couldn't do any of this without our help from our friends. 
Um, you saw the opening credits of the Schlocky Horror Picture Show earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the bald-headed guy carrying... I was going to ask this. <laughs> I was going to ask this. Who, who is this guy? Well, um, the bald-headed guy carrying the coffin uh, that you see at the beginning, that is... Um, Mark Spain, uh, one of Australia's child actors, favourite child actors. Um, oh, yeah, you're he, about to blow my mind, aren't you? He was in Mad Max 3. Um, do he's you... the kid with the... Don't tell me he's the no, kid not, with the... Bar- the not, not the feral kid. Not the feral kid, but okay. He's, he's one of the group of kids. Oh, okay. that he's Mr. Skyfish or something. Okay, like you're, blo- you're half blowing my mind. If you were going to tell me it was the boomerang he, kid, no, I was going to lose my for, mind. He was up for the running for that. <laughs> He really was. Um, and also there was a, uh, an Australian movie called Harlequin. Yeah, I know the movie Harlequin. Yeah, I don't... He, I don't yeah, yeah, It was like a, a retelling of the legend of Rasputin. Yeah. Um, so Mark Spain played the little kid in that as well. Okay. So he had his head shaved. He had um, yeah, blood we, problems. Yeah, that was... Because um, that was part of um, what we would consider... Um, Ozploitation films. That's right. It's one of the last, certainly of the seventies. Yeah, because we um, I did hostings with. Uh, was this was at TVS as well with um, um uh, Lex Marinos. We're doing. Oh, um, yes, yeah, I remember. Yeah, from Kingswood Country, <laughs> uh, and and obviously um, more accredited as a film director, um, but um, yeah, no, we did hostings with Lex Marinos doing um, Ozploitation um, film festival yeah. where we're showing all these old films. And that was one of the old films that we got to do. Oh no! Because I wouldn't have known about that film unless I'd done that research on that show <laughs> yeah yeah for sure <laughs> it was one of my favorite australian films until mad max 2 came along mm. um but yes um so harlequin it had another name in the united states as they they always did that yeah i'm afraid so I well, even mad why. max had a different name it was road warrior well uh, no no there was just some confusion there mad max came out uh, but when it came out in the United States, it was being screened at a lot of drive-ins. But the distributors dubbed it in American. So a lot of people, a lot of Americans who watched the first Mad Max really? film assumed it was Spanish or Italian. Because it was dubbed in American voices. <laughs> I would like to watch that just to go, wow. Because like, cause like I, I don't know, like I watch, um, um, you know, I watch some foreign cinema. Yes. And um, sometimes... Um, they will have the English dub, and when you watch the English dub, like I, I think a good example uh, for me is uh, Run Lola Run, German oh, film. Good. Yes, I love great, it. Great, great film, right? Um, I watched it in English and w- read the subtitles. Oh no, sorry, I watched it in English and then you know watched the film, but then I watched it in German and read the subtitles, and it's a way better experience. Oh, absolutely, um, you lose. There's Akira. something that's lost. Yeah, Akira, another one, another yeah. great one. So I, I'm, I love subtitles. Whenever I get the opportunity, I'll have subtitles on the film. And watch those, um, but yeah, with Akira, uh, I, I actually preferred the Japanese language with the English subtitles. Um, yeah, because you, they, they they get the full emphasis and you feel the emotion. I don't understand how some people can complain. Oh, I'm, because I'm concentrating on the subtitles, I'm I can't see the picture properly. Mm. Some people complain about that. I can't see the problem. No, well, <laughs> I think that there has been definitely a shift in that paradigm. I think there has been a shift there because. Um, people are now used to um, looking at content in their phone. Yes. And when they're at work, they can't have the sound on, so they read the <laughs> subtitles. So I, oh, that's my little, um, you know, tinfoil hat theory to why subtitle films do better these days. Yeah. Um, but I, I look, I, I'm, I was certainly someone that when I started watching content on SBS that was subtitled, I'd be like, oh, subtitle film, Ugh. it'd be exhausting because then you're like, oh, why didn't I just read the book? But then you go, <laughs> well. 
because um, you always hear that saying, like, you know, the book is better than the film. And but I go, no, a I don't know about medium. that. Yeah. It's a different medium. Yeah, it's apples and oranges. <laughs> They're not comparable. Like you can go, well, I can in, when I'm reading the book. Yeah, sure, I'm imagining it um, with my own uh, cognitive ability, and you know, I, I'm a visual thinker, and yeah, I can visualize that. But when you're watching the film, it's like there's no way I would have come up with those ideas <laughs> by reading the book. Um, these have been th- these ideas have been forged by people that were visionary. And I think that comes down to, as well, um, we just have this expectation on content. Uh, we're just so surrounded by content, we just have this expectation. Well, I find myself being a little more critical, thinking, well, I would have done that better, or I would have done that a different way. Mm. Um, but So I can be critical of what uh, filmmakers decide to do, mm. but, uh, but I also have to agree, well, it's their vision, you know, I, I can't. Yeah, you can't you can't differentiate too much from it, but I go, yeah, it's apples and oranges. You can't compare the book to the movie; they're different things. It's like saying, oh, I, I, I liked Orson Welles' uh, War of the Worlds on radio better than I did on film. You know, they're, they're different things. Yeah, that's true. But they're totally different. <laughs> uh, maybe the foley was a bit the same. I'm not sure, um, but, <laughs> um, uh, but and they're both better than the Spielberg version. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's better than that movie. Oh. Um, Although there's one movie that's been ragged on, and I know I'm not, not that I'm a Scientologist, but I didn't mind Battlefield Earth. I know that's a risky thing to say. No, no, that's quite okay. Now, uh, my heart goes out to Travolta, who was putting so much effort into getting this film made, mm. and the Scientologists pulling out at the last minute, their budget being slashed in half. Mm. Um, big plans for a two-part film and only the first half was made, the first part. Yeah, but uh, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. Everyone rags on it. You, it there are so many films out there that are that are bad and that one is always rated as the worst film ever made. But the, the I don't makeup, think it's that bad. No, but there were some poor choices. Um, the, the, the makeup for the aliens. Yeah, that was pretty bad. And uh, that just seems so awkward and clumsy uh, to use. Yeah, but uh, I, I, I don't know why though. I still liked it though. I still <laughs> liked it, and I, I just I think that I'm outside of the pack where I'm like, oh, how does everyone hate this film? What did I do so wrong? Why do I think so badly uh, about this? No, it's all right. Well, it happens to me a lot. Except it's films that people like. I'm critical of and I get into a lot of arguments that way <laughs> <laughs> oh especially um, uh, look I, I was uh, I've been chatting with friends about Godzilla yeah and oh, the, now I saw uh, Godzilla versus King Kong I saw that last Monday mm. um, and it it delivers on its promise but I'd much rather watch some of the earlier King Kongs you know like the, the Brian Can- I mean Godzilla films like mm. the Brian Cranston film mm-hmm. and I, I found those far more enjoyable yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's certain um, things that are nostalgic about these things, and then and you got to you got to have you got to put your um, your hat on for that decade when that film was made as well. Yes, that's true, and I, I try to do that with every review that I do. I write a lot of film reviews under the name Nigel Honeybone mm. um, for a, an American site called HorrorNews.net. Okay. Uh, more than 600 film reviews and articles there Holy by shit, Nigel dude. <laughs> Where do you get this time from? <laughs> I, I know, um, but maybe this is what people say to me. They go, where do you get all this time? I go, oh, just make the time, man. Just make the time. You get it done. <laughs> but after 600, I've sort of given up on that. I, I feel like I've... That's a lot of content, yeah, dude. <laughs> it is. It's, <laughs> looking back on it, it is. But I love doing it. 
Um, and it's just been an outlet for me. And so is Nigel and Schlocky and everything. It's just been nice to get my views out there. Um, but well, it is a bit of an outlet, isn't it, though? <coughs> it does yes. have that aspect to it. Um, I, I find even doing this, being on the pagey train and, and, and picking the brains of people <laughs> that I, 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 I love and admire, I, I, just, I just get so much out of it. And I just want to share that with people. And then when I post it and when it, and when it gets um, uh, traction out there and people are watching it and they're listening to it, you go, oh, wow, well, maybe, maybe we are invoking a bit of change and inspiring people to perhaps be themselves, <laughs> you know? Well, yes, or do better. You know, strive to do better. Mm. But yeah, keep on, as you would say, just you know, keep on making films. Um, don't let anything get in your way. We were talking about Christopher Meme, this American who supplies us with feature films, the retro films. Mm -hmm. He pushes himself to make a, a new film every year. That's hardcore. Uh, uh, yeah. That's hardcore. Um, very impressive. A feature every so year. Some of them, That's you know, insane. some of them are better than others, but yeah, he tries. That's insane. Oh, but that um, uh, that's um, that, that film though, the um, the giant spider. Yeah, that's his film. Yep. That was a hit. That was that was a really good film. I, I, they even um, they did like um, really cool um, homages in that film to like um, uh, Starship Troopers. So you got this guy who's in this Nazi slash American uniform who's like, "Do you get me?" <laughs> yes, we get you. It's uh, <laughs> really, really funny. General General Castle, named after William Castle. Yeah, really. Filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a really cool film, uh, and it, it is so um, it's so well produced. Though I just it it, it is so. For something that is um, designed to be bad, it is so good. Yes, uh, uh, quite amazingly. And the first couple of films that he made, the lead actor he had, uh, had the perfect Shatner pause. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> There's something on the wing. Something. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, yeah. No, that, 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 that film was an absolute hoot. Yeah, so make sure you guys go and check out The Giant Spider. I'm yep. sure it's out there online. I'm so, sure yeah, it is. Uh, so the, the, the filmmaker's name is... Christopher Meme, so M-I-H-M. If you can just Google for that, you'll get um, trailers, photographs, and everything like that. Um, he's been making a, year, a film a year for about 15 years. Holy shit, dude. That's yeah. insane. That is insane. <laughs> You're an insane person, dude. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, but the films that I've seen of his, are, uh, yeah, they, as you say, they, some are good and some are bad. But if you're making a film each year, like... You know how many how many hits you're going to get? How many how many flops you're going to get? Well, that's right. You know, I was talking to somebody else about the the Star Wars franchise the other day, and, and a franchise. Good argument same... starter. It's a good argument starter, <laughs> straight up. <laughs> but it, the, it, there are so many entries. Not only the films, but the TV shows, the comics, the books, the short stories. Not every entry can be perfect. Not every entry can be a um, um, a, a masterpiece. You know, you're going to have good episodes and bad episodes. I mean, no matter how good the old Star Trek was, there were episodes like Spock's brain. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, um, you know, you're going to get the Star Wars Christmas special. You're just going to end up uh, in these weird quandaries of... Some wrong decisions made. Poor decision-making. But I, I put those decisions down. I always go, it's the producer that makes these decisions. Directors don't make those decisions. Producers do. Yes. They go, oh, I can squeeze this sponge and I get an extra... Um, and you can see that happen in film all the time because um, they look for the formula, right? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure the story behind that, but Lucas gave up the right to doing that to a, some TV executive who 
And he goes, oh, I, I can put another story in my house if I uh, just uh, <laughs> rape this fucking story. Um, there, there, there was like six different writers on the Star Wars holiday special. Mm. Only one of them got somewhere. It was uh, a, a guy by the name of Pat Proft. Okay. Who ended up directing all the um, Zucker Brothers films. The, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, the, the Naked Gun films. Yeah, I like those movies. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Le- uh, not Liam Neeson. Liam Nelson. I don't, um, um, Leslie Nielsen. Le- Leslie Nielsen. Sorry, Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he was a, a real serious actor. Yes. Yeah. Until um, those Forbidden Planet in the fifties is a good example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but um, then he was in. Um, there was one film that I saw him in actually that um, you saw a sinister side of his um, abilities. Yeah, he was in like a million made-for-TV movies in the seventies. But yeah. go ahead. What? Oh, it was a movie called Nuts um, with um, uh, Barbara Streisand oh, and um, uh, the guy out of um, uh, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus, yeah. And um, uh, um, Barbara Streisand is this prostitute that um, murders a John, mm-hmm. and that John is um, Leslie Nielsen. And he was a bastard. Because like, you see him in The Naked Gun, and you're like, oh, well. Yeah, how warm and funny and cool is this guy? And then you see him in that movie, you're like, you're a fucking asshole, man. I'm glad she stabbed you. <laughs> well, that was one of the breakthrough angles in um, the, the Flying High movies, the airplane movies, was that they Don't had call these, me Shirley. these serious actors uh, in funny roles, uh, serious TV actors that you know from only their serious roles. And then he ended up winning the Emmy Award for Best comedy actor in yeah it's insane isn't it (laughs) but yeah but those things are embedded into conversation these days like I just quoted it then like don't call me Shirley um, like I've realised that there's there's something that's changed. Like you you may notice it because um, you, you're you're in the um, the generation before I, and I I've noticed that um, I've witnessed people under twenty five quoting things and like, not knowing where they're getting the quote. They don't know from. where the quotes from. Now one of those examples because they quote it from memes. And they go, oh, this is a meme quote, and then you continue the quote, and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like you know, but that's from Spaceballs, <laughs> man. You know the movie Spaceballs. They go, no. Like, but you just quoted it. They only know it from the sound bites. <laughs> um, sound bites. Mm. Oh, yeah. Death Race 2000. Um, one of my complaints about the Death Race film, the re- remake with... Uh, Statham. Yeah, that's right. Statham. Yeah. Now... Um, I did... I, well, in, in, yeah. in the original film and the, the short story it was based on, uh, a big part of it was cars racing from coast to coast in the in America, but the point system for getting passenger for getting um, uh, um, people walking across the road and pedestrians. Oh, like getting point scores for That's getting hits. It. And you know, almost everybody has made a joke or heard somebody make a joke about that when they've been in a car totally. sometime. And they just don't know where it comes from. Oh, I've got a terrible <laughs> joke. I, I've, got, I've got a terrible joke. Because sometimes you see um, uh, on the side of cars, they'll have like um, pedestrians and an X through them. Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, sometimes you'll see like a, a dude in a wheelchair with an X through it. And um, I would say, well, if you hit someone in a wheelchair and the wheelchair goes over the back of the car, that's 50 points. <laughs> you, only get 10, you only get 10 if they go under, but if they go well, over the top. It. And if and you, you pop the bonnet, that's 100. That's 100 you, you points. You get more points for the most uh, bizarre joking, or most unusual. Uh, yeah, so 
a pregnant nun with a pram would be extra Oh, that's extra a thousand points. points. <laughs> pregnant nun with a pram, that's a thousand points easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but, but one thing I will say about Death Race, though, is they did do a lot of practical stunts in that. They did do a lot of practical stunts. There, uh, there was CGI yeah. involved in it. Uh, it was a strange thing. They had green screen trucks in that film. So yes. they, they would have the, the, the truck painted a matte colour so they can embellish it and, and put different textures on it. But yep. they would still put a, a hydraulic, you know, a, a, a steam press underneath it to flip the truck <laughs> over. They, did, they still did those practical effects. So I'll give them that. Oh, yes. And uh, although he didn't direct it, he produced it, was... Um Paul W.S. Anderson. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favourite directors because he's such a fanboy mm. and it shows in every film he makes. <laughs> well, that's what you want. Um, that's what you want. Alien versus Predator or um, mm. Wanted Dead or Alive. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, again, though, like um, merge, merging genres like that and, and speaking to that fan base, speaking to the Alien and Predator fan base and then merging those two films together that's because they did the comic uh, yeah they, they I, had the comic going I really enjoyed that film um, well, there was the, a, the sequel was terrible but. well there was actually a computer game out there well yeah I saw the, I played the computer game on an old machine called a Jaguar oh really oh, was it a Saturn no, Sega was a, or I there was a on, Jaguar as I well I played it on the Saturn oh okay and I played it in the arcade as well and um, I used to it was 40 cents when I played it <laughs> think about that all right, 40 cents. So you had to get two 20-cent pieces and then hit the start button. Because after the, after when after 40 and 60 cents, it was a dollar. And after that, now now you've got to get like a card. You ever been to an arcade recently? You get, they give you a card now. Oh, wow, no. But it'd be cheaper, I can understand. Yeah. Oh, but we'll do um, uh, super sessions. Um, uh, super sessions were, is where they would open, you know, um, back in the time zone days, in its heyday, yep. you'd have time zone and they would open it on a Saturday night at midnight. And they would close it at 6am. So you had six hours to play any game you like for $20. So you pay $20 and you can play any game you like with any amount of credits you want. So I clocked most games in there. So I did like Terminator 2, uh, (laughs) Mad Dog McGee, uh, every pinball machine known to man. Um, and uh, it was games like that where you, that you had the Alien versus Predator um, um, uh, fight games. Yep. And now, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, of course. Well, I do remember playing it on Saturn, and yeah. Um, but uh, the the comics, um, I was familiar with the comics. Um, Alien Resurrection, if you remember. Yes. Alien Resurrection. Love that the, film. The Watched it the other day, actually. Film. Yeah, I, and so much of it feels like the comics. Yeah, it does. For it, me, yeah. Yeah, the cinematography in that, um, definitely the angles that they picked, and the, and it had a, um, uh, it was dark. It was a dark, lit film. Yes. A um, lot of shadows, um, and as well, like, um, just the, the, the whole idea of the um, the gene crossing that they were doing, where they had the, the young Ripley in the in the test tube, and then it became yeah, the old, and then uh, it phased the, into the old Ripley. Scenes. Great um, scenes. And then they do these scenes where, um, she finds the lab of her seven predecessors. Yep. Um, and at that you would only find that kind of darkness in a comic. <laughs> uh, you rarely find because films don't take those kind of risks usually. Well, that was the director, I guess, the French director who did Delicatessen and uh, City of Lost Children is another one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a heavy film. Yeah. That's a really heavy <laughs> film. Jeez. So Alien Resurrection. I-, I love the film. It's a lot of fun. Wonderful balance of uh, horror and humour and drama. Good casting. 
but that last five to ten minutes really is terrible. Um, yeah, where we is, meet yeah. the hybrid alien human creature, it was just such a letdown for me. Yeah, yeah, because now the alien has the human uh, reproductive system and then it gives birth to this thing and... Yeah, yeah, no, we. we wonderful, look, wonderful hey, look, you're talking, guy, you're talking to a guy who likes Battlefield Earth, and I. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do like that movie up until that point. That was a bit. That was a bit loose at the end, um, but um, I, the thing I liked about that movie, actually, before we move on, is the they killed the hero straight away, um, because it, you had the masculine hero that died straight away. Oh, alien. No, no, no! In Alien Resurrection, because I had the uh, the pilot. He's, you know, I don't know his uh, voice, but he talks with a rough. Oh, uh, um, uh, Ron Perlman. Yes, um, they kill him straight away. <laughs> he, 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 he gets murdered by an alien straight away. Like, well, Joss Whedon wrote it. It was a Joss and Whedon film. Yeah, yeah, Joss Whedon is really good at um, killing his characters. <laughs> <laughs> Ensemble casts mm. and groups. So you know, in Titan AE, if you might remember that yeah, old no, animated that film, yeah. film, he wrote that. And he did oh, no, oh wow, I didn't then, know that. So again, at the core of the film, we've got this group of misfits that just really work well together. And again, you've got that with the crew of the Betty and Resur- Alien Resurrection, um, uh, Buffy, Firefly, everything. I've got, I've got, and that's I've why, got a name for these films. Though. I call them the lifeboat films. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you chuck, you chuck all of the characters that are so contrast that are nothing alike and put them in a lifeboat <laughs> and make them talk. They call them lifeboat films. Sorry, I cut, I cut you off there. I cut you off. No, 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 no. That's fine. I was just saying Joss Whedon's really good at, at ensemble films and that is why they asked him to direct the Avengers film because he had to work with a big ensemble. Yeah. Well, I, look, I've always been disappointed about Firefly, though. Like, because that... They did bring out Serenity. Don't get me wrong. Uh, yep, you know, I, I enjoyed Serenity. Serenity I was, it was great. A nice final. Yeah, it was a good cap off, but I could have used an extra season of Firefly. <laughs> I just could have used what just one season. It's kind of like um, you know Deadwood. They didn't finish fucking Deadwood. They didn't then. finish it properly, and I really loved Deadwood. That was for me. That that represents the new re- renaissance in American television. I yeah. Mean, uh, it was Up so far Deadwood, ahead of itself. Yeah, that was terrific. Brilliantly so, written. Brilliant. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of Swearigen. Big fan of Swearigen. Um, I'm not... You're either a Bullock or a Swearigen fan. <laughs> and I'm a Swearigen fan. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, like they, they didn't finish that properly because it's the gunfight at the OK Corral. Well, yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. Um, and in the last episode or the last few episodes, we're introduced to uh, actors... Um, uh, stage actors, uh, Brian Cox and yep. Dennis Christopher are introduced to the series mm-hmm. and then it finished. <laughs> yeah, they've got these big, these big names that are coming in there, but they're building up to that to- Tombstone movie, yeah, right? Because exactly, Tombstone, yeah. essentially, uh, Deadwood is Tombstone, right? But um, Deadwood is the thing that leads up to the, air quotations, Tombstone story of the gunfight at the OK Corral. Yep. Doc Holliday, um, uh, Wyatt Earp. Um, taking on the the cowboys, right? And they had it all laid up, and they had it. They had it. The, the character development in Deadwood is just insane. Mm. It is just so brilliant. It's so well written. The, a Victorian dialect with the most impressive cursing you've ever heard um, in your life. I can only imagine the directors saying, you know, to the actors, you know, you're doing Shakespeare. I want you to do this like it's Shakespeare. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, J.F. Sebastian, the actor who plays <laughs> uh, uh, Weasley guy. 
in Deadwood. Um, oh, um, uh, the, the, the William, William Sanderson. Is that his name? You're yeah, talking that's about the, the um, yeah, he's the commissioner. Yeah, not the, not the commissioner, <laughs> the, the the fake sheriff, not the actual yeah, sheriff, the right. fake sheriff. Yeah, yeah. The, the commissioning sheriff. Performance from him and just the the dialogue that he spits out is just wonderful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so spiteful. You will see that the words increase, but the numbers do not. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. I just love that. They're, they're, they're my two biggest gripes in TV. Is the the fact that they they didn't do an extra uh, season of Firefly and they didn't finish Deadwood that will yeah. always remain with me forever. Yeah, well, well they see. did the Deadwood movie. They did do it. You, they you, did it. You, but... you can wish for you know an extra TV series or an extra season of a TV series, and I think no, you, you don't ask for too much. I yeah, mean, it may spoil it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, there's, there's some things that can't be remade. Um, but I've got to go to the loo really quickly. I'm, yeah, no, I'm in no rush. All right. Write down the time code for me. It's a break. Yeah. Oh, man, I drank too much beer. (laughs) (sighs) About the, um, the, you know, how you go into the arcade and you use the cards now? Yes, yep. I think they do that for, so they try and trick you into spending real life money like hmm. they try and trick you into thinking it's like fake money. no that's true uh, it um in some cases that's why people some people use credit cards is because they don't feel like they're handing over money yeah um i think that's a little bit of part of why they do that <laughs> and convenience obviously well there yeah there is that Bunch of coins and all that. What did you kids talk about while I was gone? Uh, more video games and, oh. and, and using cards and cash. Oh, cash? You don't even know what cash is, Wade. What are you talking about? You live in the digital world. You're a digital um, native. We're, like, we're digital immigrants. Yeah. Did you know that? We're digital immigrants. We, uh, we know how to use a, um, a uh, turned-off phone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I should get you another drink, mate. And the drink. vinyl records. Yeah. Oh, well, that, it's strange how the loop has turned I, around. I don't understand the appeal, but I'm, I, you know, I, I love my music, but not to that extent, as long as I can hear it, you know. Because I was brought up in the age of tra- transistor radios. You know, when they, um, back in the 60s and 70s, when they made a record in the studio, they would play it back once through a little tin speaker just to make sure it sounds okay through a transistor radio yeah. speaker. Yeah, yeah, play, yeah, that's what they say. Always play it through a shit speaker. Yeah, exactly. And make sure it sounds all right that way. So, Yeah, well, we do that. Um, when I work with... Because um, I've um, had the privilege of making a, you know an album or two mm-hmm. as a musician, and you do that. You put it through the shittest system <laughs> to see what it sounds like. Because like, when you put it through like you know $6,000 speakers... You know, anything sounds good. That's it. If you're going to buy a new stereo system, make sure all the buttons are switched off so you can can hear what it sounds like raw. Yeah, I had had a friend, though, uh, um, a couple of years back. um, He he bought some new speakers and he went home and he pumped it up. Like, he, he would have spent like three, four grand on these speakers. And he goes, they sound shit. I go, but did you warm them in, dude? He's like, what do you mean? I go, well, what you do when you buy new speakers is you put the radio on Leave it on for twelve hours and let the skins 
we're in because if you if you, it's essentially like you're taking a race car that's never been on the road and you just put the pedal to the metal um and you, you you're gonna blow you're gonna blow them out you're yeah. gonna blow it out it's not, it's not used to that kind of treatment you gotta you gotta warm things in man you can't just jump in the deep end you gotta learn how to swim first he's like oh I go, how much you spend on those speakers he goes four thousand dollars <laughs> like oh man oh shit <laughs> you fucked up <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I like my music, but I'm perfectly happy listening through my computer speakers, you know. Um, I do have a special set of speakers made by Tim for me, but I hardly ever use them, but they're hugely loud. <laughs> yeah, well, my, my neighbours are quite well aware of um, uh, my sound system. It is quite impressive when I need it to be. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I was um, uh, talking with my wife yesterday and she was running music through her um, PC upstairs. Mm-hmm. And uh, she goes, it doesn't sound as good as yours, Ross, downstairs. I go, but I run a sound system through mine. She goes, oh, <laughs> like I've got 5.1 digital sound coming out of my PC. Um, no, it's not a PC, it's a Mac, let's just face facts. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, and, and out of the uh, home theatre, I'm running, I think it's 7.2, I've got two subwoofers, and I've got s- surround 7, I think. It's a bit, it's a bit insane, well, a little bit insane. That's one of my problems with um, many DVDs that I get nowadays. They're designed for huge home theatre sound systems. Mm. So I've just got a little TV, not much bigger than that, <laughs> that <laughs> monitor, um, and I use those speakers. Um, so that's another reason why I always have the subtitles on, because the, 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 the talking is too quiet and the explosions are too explodey. Yeah, I, uh, and so you're constantly reaching for the, the volume control, and that's why I just use settle for subtitles. It annoys my <laughs> wife to no end when I watch a English spoken film with subtitles on. It annoys the hell out of her. Wow. I go, but I get I, I may miss something and I pick up the little thing that is said in the background. Yep. Yeah, you because know, I, I I'm a big Easter egg hunter. I love looking at films and picking out the Easter eggs. Uh, when I when I was a child, I started reading things like Doctor Who novelizations and movie novelizations for exactly the same reason that I watch subtitles today. Mm. You know, there, there's some extra information in there that you might need or want. And so many novel film novelizations are based on the script before the editor gets to the film. Yeah. Um, when you watch... Um, you brought up Akira before. If you if you look at the subtitles in Akira yep. and you'll notice that they don't match. They're, you can see that they're totally cut, copy-pasted from the script because then they've done it That's differently it. when they've done it in production but but the dubbing of course they have to match the mouth movements so that they have to change dialogue yeah yeah totally um but uh yeah oh man i, I th- these are films that are so yardstick in my life um uh, akira um what's the other oh ghost in the shell oh yeah i saw the live action film like for that last it night it wasn't bad i didn't think it was bad at all um i i, I saw the film what was it, 1990 or something like that? The animated film, the original? Yeah, how'd you get a copy of that in 1990? Uh, it was banned in Australia. How'd you get a copy of it? <laughs> oh, I had a copy of it as well. It's okay. Uh, I'm sure it was distributed by Manga Films. Um, there was a whole bunch like Akira, Ghost in the Shell, um, Fist of the North Star. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it was the arrival of anime I'm pretty sure in Ghost the in the, world. I'm pretty sure the Ghost uh, Ghost in the Shell was when it first came out was banned in Australia. No, oh, okay then. Yeah, because it has you know the scene where um it's the opening scene. Um uh, she ju- she jumps from the roof 
And then you can see that she has that thermal camouflage. She yep. disappears into the ether and then she swings into a window and then basically murders everyone in the room. Yes. And the main shot in that, you, she blows someone's head off and you can see their spine wiggle. Oh, right. There's like a spine wiggle scene and the censor, censorship board in Australia is like, uh, no. <laughs> no, okay. I mean, that was the animated film. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was the, uh, the and then because uh, I had a I had an illicit copy on VHS and then they released it legally I think in 1993. <coughs> exactly that scene is done in the live action film I saw last night, and the camera cut before we see the before that shot. Yeah, because people... I mean like that's for the TV edit. Yeah, but the thing is that with that with that shot, like, because you got to understand, like, it's not gratuitous. It's, it, it is to really drive home that um, this, the, these people are conducting violence, and but it's in a fictitious space, so it's a safe space. Yes, and I think that we sometimes we get confused with that. Um, the films aren't real, people. They're not real. <laughs> Reality is real. Films aren't real. They're they're fictitious. Even documentaries. Uh, a fictitious to a point of view, you know. I, I was talking to somebody about this recently. The new Looney Tunes um, uh, basketball film, Space Jam. Mm. Um, there's a scene in the trailer where the there's a group of bad guys cheering on a bad robot or hologram, mm. but they're all fictional characters from Warner Brothers films, including the Droogs from A Clockwork Orange. Wow. Um, a game, the Game of Thrones villain. Yeah, but just the droogs from the Clockwork Orange is heavy enough, isn't that it? That seemed to hit hard on a lot of people. They don't mention the other bad guys. You see cowboys and uh, other bad guys yeah, and but it's all Batman about, villains. It's but about they're stigmas, fictional. Yeah. It's about stigmas, right? But they're fictional, so I'm not... I'm yeah. not understanding their... But again, though, even a Clockwork Orange, like a Clockwork Orange was banned in Australia for like a quarter of a century. That's true, but it was self-imposed by Kubrick himself who put on that R rating. Yeah. He, oh, yeah, he but, demanded that. Yeah, but it's, a, but it's an R-rated film. Yes. It is definitely... It, it, it is n that is not for um, uh, youth, youth to consume. That is highly... Um, uh, mature content that is mature content by no uh, shadow of a doubt. Yeah. But with that said, like um, it shouldn't be banned. Like it's still it's still, like as an adult, right? You can make decisions as an adult. Yes, that's right. Um, you know, um, to to go into my own uh, sort of forte's, like you can you can um pay someone three hundred dollars to strap you to their body and jump out of a moving plane at five hundred kilometers an hour, but you can't buy a stick of weed. Um, <laughs> so like I, I think there's adult decisions that are out there, and then that includes content consumption. And don't get me wrong, there are things that, about content we don't know. How how much screen time should a four-year-old watch on an iPad? We don't know the answer to that question. We uh, don't. No, we don't. But we know that most of them are watching like several hours at least. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Is there going to be an effect? Of course there will be an effect. Is that going to be a negative or positive effect? We don't know. It's going to be quite amazing to see the result in the next 20 years. Yeah. And, and again, though, but the, uh, the technology is probably going to change yet again by the time we go to analyse that. Exactly. And also, you know, these three-year-olds are going to grow into artists who are going to do something completely new and different multi-dimensional multi-dimensional yeah. what we've, we've been doing like we've been working in like 2D 3D dimensions they'll be working in multi, multiple dimensions because uh, you've got augmented reality that's out there at the moment a uh, big shout out to the team at the rabbit hole by the way currently doing um, <laughs> I'm doing a magazine with um, WSU yes um, so um, 
we're doing a 10-year um, uh, commemoration for Made in the West Film Festival. And uh, they've designed us a magazine, and you can hover a phone over it, and it's augmented like it comes alive. Wow. Like, this is insane stuff. Insane, right? Um, and we're doing that now. Like, just imagine five, 10, 15 years. That's right, yep. And, and so all these artists, you know, are, who are growing up with those iPads now, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. But that's their literacy. See, our literacy came from television. We, 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 like um, you're, you're um, a, a child of the silver screen. I'm a child of the, um, you know, VGA. Yep. <laughs> if that, and, and they're not too far apart. I can sort of appreciate, but there's also been a de-evolution uh, as well. I mean, like it took us a hundred years to go from a square black and white screen to super wide screen, super wide screen mm. color. Um, I'm glad you picked that up. I was about to, <laughs> hey, yeah, 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 get yeah, closer to the mic there, bro. Okay, That's because I was moving my arms. I thought <laughs> talking way too much with my hands. <laughs> so we've gone from square pictures to widescreen super sound, and then in the last 10, 20 years, we've gone back to. Um, um, portrait, yeah, screen. We have, haven't we? Yeah, but beyond portrait, it's but thinner than portrait. people are accepting it. That's that's it, the hard it, thing. It's thinner than portrait. It's actually it's thinner than four by three because you're talking about a four by three because we went out to yeah. uh, two three five by one, which is like you know um, the even Cinerama if, and um, um, uh, Apocalypse Now seventy. Yeah, well, even even uh, at Ben Hur, you've got that really yeah. wide spectrum that that um, the two uh, two thirty five by one um, anamorphic, if you will. Yeah. Um, and now we move from this anamorphic, can practically taste the brain matter, um, to less than four by three. Like I don't even know. I don't even know what the ratio is. I'm sure we could find it out. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah. It, it, but it's so smaller. I find that really annoying and unprofessional, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I guess it comes down to taste, right? Because this is what we've gotten used to. And yeah, maybe it's the changing of the guard. Maybe it's the you know. I I don't like that. Like, I, I think my um, cynicism goes towards maybe that's a bad thing. But at the same time, I think our predecessors would have looked at us going, what are you guys doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Like, we used to listen to content. Now you're watching it. You know what I mean? It's just that other dimension. And, and I think looking at kids that are looking at these tools now, it's just their literacy. Our literacy came yep. from a television and film. And, and music, of course. And, and some of them are going to learn how to use these things and do something different. And that's, that's, that makes it worth staying alive just to see where the arts go. Yeah, well, there's, <laughs> there's two things I want to see. There's two things I want to see, uh, Garfield. There's two things I definitely want to see. And that is, um, uh, where are these tools going to take us? Like, I mean, exploring in a space. What are we going to discover about ourselves as humans? Because art is a really good reflection of where we're at. Mm, um, always, yeah. It always has been. Like, you know, when you look at art after World War One and after World War Two, it's quite bleak and dark and nasty. But then you get after you get art after the sixties. It's quite bright and vibrant and colourful. Um, and you can look at the music the same way. You can look at film the same way. All of these mediums, you can look at the same way and looking at where the zeitgeist is at the yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. What is the world thinking at that time or that year? And I'd like to see where it goes. I'm really, I, I really resonate with what you're saying there. Like to see where that, what it becomes. Yes, yes. Is I'm, very I'm intriguing. looking forward to something new. Um, and and you do see it, and you do see it in films. Um, you know, watch more independent films. That's where you're going to find it. You um, are, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I love... Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. 
And But the other thing that I'm looking forward <laughs> to is exploring outer space. I would like to see in my lifetime a footprint put on Mars. I just And, and I just think that, um, and I've said this a few times on the podcast, um, uh, some people would say, I know it's a shitty reference, but some people would say, you know, uh, if it wasn't for the advent of war, we wouldn't be as technologically sound as we are now. And I reject that notion. I reject it. Because I, I, I truly believe that I, yeah, all... Yeah. all yeah. I think we would have been slower. I think, um, uh, Did unfortunately, it war, war... Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. that. It, yeah, it was the, the catalyst that made things move forward. It was the space race, that competitive thing That's that got, got Americans into That's space. It's a sad true fact, but you're, I, I do believe you're right in that regard. But I'd, I'd like to look at it the other way, though. But yeah, the, the Orville yeah. Wright, when they came up with the idea of flight, they didn't do it under the duress of learning how to take over the air to bomb people. <laughs> they, 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 they did it because they go, hey, we can fly. <laughs> you know, they had, a, they had a harebrained idea and they followed it. They followed a dream and they followed a thread. And that thread has led us to the idea that I can fly to the other side of this planet and go and watch a movie in New York, you know. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's too deep. Yeah. <laughs> And then it all got bogged down, uh, you know, with the space shuttle. I mean, like, the space shuttle was a great idea, but yeah. it didn't. It was like they weren't inspired to do anything better. It's subspace. <laughs> it's, it's subspace. They're not going into outer space. We should have already had a, a, a base on the moon, and and they know that they need to oh, have yes. a base on the moon to have a launching platform to go to Mars. It makes sense. Um, and, and, and I'm glad there's people like that out there like um, Elon Musk. I'm glad oh, they yes. do. Yeah, you know, of course, they've got ulterior motives, but openly and in the media, he seems like a nice enough guy. I mean... He I, sounds I like a James Bond bad guy. Well, he he yeah. does. <laughs> Even his name sounds like a James Bond bad guy. But Richard Branson, I'm pretty sure he's sold his soul to the devil. I don't think he's aged since the late 70s. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's the same as Rupert Murdoch, man. I think um, he's... Uh, how is he still going? Uh, he's in his 90s and he's still a CEO. Yep, you right. know, um, And looking healthier than Prince Philip. Oh, well, no, a, lot, a lot more healthy. I uh, mean, I saw some horrible memes about that. That did make me laugh he hysterically. Has, Prince Philip does have a terrible reputation, always had a terrible reputation. Oh, but they're the monarchy, man. They're always going to have a horrible reputation. Um, I like, you know, not to get too bogged down in it. I, I, I just think that... Um, it's, a, it's a dead system. I, I, I don't care. I don't care for it either. <laughs> but I, I will say this about it. I think that religion is 100 years behind. Like it's maybe more, maybe more. I think government is about thirty years behind. Yeah, uh, but I'd say monarchies probably two hundred years behind. Like they're, they're they're right up there with religion. Uh, that whole idea. Like, and in saying that, I don't have the answers to the problems. I don't. I, I can't protest to that. And not all monarchies are the same. Um, yeah, they're not. They're not. But but, but yeah, I know what you mean. On the whole, they do seem like a waste of time. And yeah, but what, what, we just a corporation that sells plates at theme parks. What what are we doing here? Um, um, but I, I, I'm I'm not someone that's for the redistribution of wealth. I don't want to come across as a communist in that way. I'm just saying that there are clearly problems with the um uh, the way that we're governed. There's clearly problems with the way that we deal with belief, and those conflicts are coming into our preferences as people. 
Well, and, 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 and certainly and, and, the British monarchy, and, and, and there are better things to spend your money on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is. And that's what I mean. It's, it, I bring it back to the war analogy. I, I, like, I understand that, um, uh, that war may be an accelerator for technological advancement, but I think there's other accelerators out there that we haven't tapped into. Well, the, like the the space war. The, the sp- sorry, the space race. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> space, space war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we launching space Star force? Wars. Space force. Um, yeah, Jewish gonna, lasers. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we, we, we need boots in air. Um, it used to be boots on ground. Now we're going for boots on air. Um, uh, <sighs> boots? Uh, no, boots in vacuum. I, I don't, I'm trying to look for a catchphrase. Can't find it. Um, but look, um, I, I, I think we've gotten really political here. I think we should get out of the oh, politics. Yep, okay, let's get out of the politics. Um, but um, so you uh, can be found on Aurora Channel Thirty One. Where else can we find you? Very good. We'll wrap up there. So, the Schlocky Horror Picture Show is seen on the remaining community TV shows in Australia. So, we've got um, uh, uh, Channel Forty Four. Adelaide, mm-hmm. they screen our show at midnight on Friday night, and they usually screen two films. Um, one is a schlocky episode, and the other is just a schlocky film. Mm-hmm. But uh, we try to keep up with that. So, oh, oh, oh! Um, so I'm on Facebook. Look up Schlocky Horror Picture Show on Facebook, or Nigel Honeybone, or Garfield Barnard. You'll find all the information there. Uh, we update our stuff every week. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Channel 44 Adelaide, we show... Um, Channel 31? Uh, Channel 31 is on Monday nights at 11.30pm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aurora, which is on Foxtel, uh, that's seen Australia-wide. And um, that's on f- Saturday nights at 8.30pm. Now, they're all streamed live. Even Foxtel is streamed live for free. So oh, you, always- you can stream Foxtel live for free absolutely kids get onto it so definitely they can uh, um, stream uh, aurora which is their uh, uh, community tv and station is that a that's a linear stream they can't do it video on demand it's just it's, it's when it happens at the at moment the time. no um uh, in some show cases they can but not with our show i have never noticed. So when's on the Aurora streaming? What time is that stream? That's eight thirty PM on Saturday night. Saturday night, kids, get get a get a case of beer, get a projector, <laughs> put it in the backyard, put on some schlocky horror picture show, and have a good fucking time. Absolutely, sit back and watch some really bad television. So, um, <laughs> oh come on, it's fantastic television. <laughs> uh, look, um, uh, but is there anywhere else where we can find you? Okay, so you'll find us on. Uh, I love. Facebook, you won't find us on any other uh, service, but Facebook, you'll find the Schlocky Horror Picture Show, you'll find Garfield Barnard, Nigel Honeybone, um, Barnard Star Productions, which is our production company, mm-hmm. um, um, and I also do a couple of other pages, uh, Facebook groups as well, um, concentrating on time machines or anthology TV shows. Anthology, I remember that. Yes, and, and, yes. Uh, and comics on TV and oh, film. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, definitely come and check us out. Um, uh, we're running forever. There's no end in sight. The shows are being con- continually... I don't think repeated. it's going to end. It's impossible. You, you, you cannot stop it if you try it. <laughs> you could try and stop it. It won't be stoppable. I wanted to ask you as well, um, uh, when TVS closed down... Um, our last four episodes 
we we sent them off to TVS. Mm-hmm. They closed down, and they never sent our episodes back. So we're also missing the last four episodes. Oh, of I, I, might, I might be able you to might check have that on. I fire. have a few contacts there. Um, not to get too cynical, some of those contacts are really like um, <sighs> difficult to work with. That's the best way yeah, I can it's, put it's, that. It's difficult to find nowadays. It's been but, so um, many. But I know where the content is. I, I physically know where it is. I just need someone to allow me to access it. <laughs> so that would be great. Okay, yeah. so because I, I I archived it personally. I know where it is. Oh, thank. I know where it actually is. I heard is. you say that the other day and I thought, yeah, that might be our chance to get those last few episodes. There yeah, I've got, like, um, got two roadblocks, bro. I've got two roadblocks that do not like uh, people <laughs> like us um, because we want to change the world and make it positive and they are. Yeah, exactly. They don't I, I've think been that way. trying to deal with Aurora, trying to work out a time that I can go into Aurora and recatalog a lot of the episodes and. and Get you know fixing up files basically and correcting names. Those and, guys are really good. I know I know the guy at Aurora. He's a really good bloke. Um, Dirk. Dirk. Yeah, yeah he, he's he, great. He's he's a great bloke. Um, he, he he's overworked and underpaid, <laughs> um, like most people in TV. But um, he does a really good job. He really does. He 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 goes far and beyond. No, and he does enjoy the show. He likes schlocky horror, so he's uh, very supportive. It's because you're well. you're high. You're probably his highest rated dude. <laughs> you're probably his highest. Probably rater. You're, you're his rock star. He's gonna have to look after you. I mean, it, it's either schlocky horror or the lifestyle shows. I expect they're very popular on community TV as well. They would but. be, yeah, totally. Um, but especially schlocky horror man. It has a. Um, I don't think you're totally aware of your audience. <laughs> Uh, no, no. I, I don't think you are, like, because you do it out of passion, out of love, and I don't think you give a shit about yeah. it. You just, <laughs> I like this thing because I can do this thing, and I can represent these artists, and I can have this conversation, and that's it. And that's it. And and this is that's an where outlet. it ends for you. I can tell you what I really think about this film. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. all I want to do because <laughs> you care about the con- you care about the content, and you've got you've got a platform to talk about it. That's it. So. Uh, but I'm just trying to make you aware, man. There are people out there that follow this, and and you should really tap into that because you you're, you I don't I wouldn't say that you're missing out because I think you, you you have a full life and you're doing it yeah, and oh, you're absolutely. enjoying it. But I'm just trying to let you know that um there there is a cult following out there of the shocking <laughs> horror picture show, man. And oh, well, it's the nature of um horror hosting. Um, so we've been running since 2007. Um, uh, the longest running horror host in the southern hemisphere uh he's uh, nigel's won awards uh the rondo horror award oh that's another thing um, so you're ruling half the planet okay as far as schlocky horror goes um uh, so that's another thing to look up if you have a chance the the rondo horror awards rondo horror awards it's been running for about 20 years um and they uh, they give awards to um, horror presentations. So not only what's your favourite, and you, you vote for them, of course. Um, it's open to fan voting. So you know, it's not only what is your favourite film and TV show and new book. They also talk about um, new DVD releases of old films. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah. So Rondo Horror Awards. Just check them yeah, out. Yeah, check it out. Well, look, just type Nigel Honeybone. Um, no, honey bone. Honey do that, I do that all the time. Fucking twelve monkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, at Nigel Honey Bone. Uh, check that out online. Check out the Slocky Horror Picture Show, and certainly check it out on Aurora. Um, but once again, I'd like I'd just like to thank you personally again 
Um, you've been an absolute inspiration. This has um, been so good. I was so worried for the last week or so. I was thinking, oh, how am I going to keep up with this guy? He talks so fast. But it's been perfect. Oh, dude, <laughs> um, I've, I've been trying to keep up with you, man. Um, no, I, I must say, you've been an absolute inspiration. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. It's and, been and, so and, nice to be here. Thank you so much. And it's nice to get out of the house, of course. Yeah, and absolutely, yeah, totally. And <laughs> I just, I just, I can't pass my thanks on enough. You're a really cool dude, and you've done some really cool things. And I just hope you recognise that and understand that. No, well, I've been watching your show as well. It's just amazing what you've been up to as well. I just, I'm glad I'm retired now. I don't have to care, care about. <laughs> anymore but I've got uh, another 20 years to go <laughs> shit <laughs> it's amazing the work that you've been doing as well I'm just totally amazed yeah no thank you very much I, I really I really appreciate that um, it really warms my heart so thank you but man let, let's tie a bow on it let's get it done okay and uh, you've been watching The Pager Train. You can check us out on Spotify, uh, Apple iTunes. You can find us on iHeartRadio and, of course, YouTube. And if you've been enjoying us on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. And, of course, if you've really been enjoying the show, hit that little like button right there. Little notifications. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Subscribe. Subscribe, baby. Subscribe. You've been watching The Pager Train. We'll see you next time. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was such a good show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.